Hello and welcome to and season one of Romance with Valentine's Heart and Beat, your podcast for a and YouTube show for contemporary rom-com paired with a Hello Date Night. My name is Marie Matthew, and I'm the author of the story you're going to hear on this channel. The title of season of one is The Bad Girl List, and this is a fake dating second chance rom-com set in California wine, wine country. If you only Find out how one life-changing vacation list well. puts the heart of Dominique Chen on the line and when head she over meets to sexy Trevor Bray. The content of this channel is intended today. for audience members that are 18 years and older. There is some explicit content on this channel. There is light swearing and there are some explicit spicy scenes. So I don't want any surprises as people move into the story so you have been warned. Be sure to stick around at the end of each episode for author commentary. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop them into the comments section in YouTube, or you can also send me an email at romancingmarie at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer questions and comments in future episodes on the show. Please like and subscribe to my channel on your favorite platform, whatever that happens to be. And please help me spread the word and share the show with your friends. Now, as you're listening along, if you get to the point where the tension's too much and you just can't wait to find out what happens next, you can head over to mariematthew.com and you can purchase the complete season of The Bad Girl List over on my website. It's available in ebook format, audiobook format, and there's also autographed hardbacks and paperbacks. So you will get the entire season for free on YouTube and the podcast. But again, if you just can't wait, head over to mariematthew.com. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's time for some romance with heart and heat. I hope you enjoy. Bye. Chapter 22. Sunset. Trevor. The next morning, I rise even earlier than usual. My mood is dark and bleak. I feel like I've returned to the person I was before I met Dom a few days ago. There's something oddly comforting about it. I leave my phone off and untouched in the nightstand, get into the truck with tequila and throw myself into work. I spend the day harvesting the cover crops growing between the rows of grapevines. We plant things like mustard to treat the soil with valuable nutrients. Once they've flowered, I cut them down and put them into barrels of water to let them ferment for a few weeks. The result is a nutrient-rich spray that I'll apply to the vineyards later in the season. I skip breakfast and lunch and work straight through the day. The sun is setting when I finally admit that I'm exhausted and starving. With any luck, I'll be tired enough to fall asleep as soon as I eat. Exhaustion was a preferred coping mechanism in the first year after Elle died. It's the only way I know how to cope with the confusion I feel every time I think of Dominique. On my way back home, I catch sight of the two-bedroom bungalow where Gramps lives. He and my grandma moved there about 10 years ago. Anytime mom and dad suggest that Gramps move back into the main house, he refuses. In the evening sun, I spot him sitting on the veranda that overlooks the vineyards. Gramps and grandma used to drink wine and watch the sunset together every night. Not knowing why I turn the steering wheel and head toward Gramps. He waves in greeting when I pull the truck to a stop and get out. I leave Tequila in the cab. Evening Trev, he says. What brings you here? I'm not sure why I'm here so I say, thought I'd have a glass of wine with you. Of course. He smiles at me studying my face. Have a seat and I'll get another glass. He retrieves a second glass and fills it with our Zinfandel. I take several gulps without even tasting it, then stare out at the setting sun without speaking. I finish the glass and refill it. I'm thankful Gramps doesn't try to make small talk. He's good about giving me space when I'm in a bad mood. I finish the second glass of wine. Gramps hands me an open second bottle. I hadn't even noticed when he went inside to get it. It's a bottle of Pinot Noir this time. I'm nearly finished with the third glass when I finally figure out what I want to ask him. Gramps, are you really going to get a Tinder account? Gramps chuckles. From what Thomas tells me, 
I'm not sure an old man like me has the stamina for a sight like Tinder. The wrinkles around his eyes deepen with amusement. But there is a dating app for old farts like me. Thomas put it on my phone. You have a profile, I ask. Not yet. But I'm thinking about setting one up. Your grandmother has been gone for five years. I miss having someone to watch the sunsets with. He sighs. I miss having someone to eat breakfast with and to watch TV with. It doesn't make you feel bad? I ask. Trying to replace grandma I mean. Who says I'm replacing your grandmother? Gramps frowns at me. I only meant. I know what you meant Trev. You're looking at it all wrong. When tequila dies and you get another dog don't look at me that way. You know she won't live forever. When you get another dog, will it mean you're replacing tequila? I know the answer of course. No. No of course not Gramps says. It won't mean you love tequila any less. Despite what the media would have us think, the human heart has a tremendous capacity for love. When tequila eventually passes on and you get a new dog, it just means you still have space in your heart to love. I nod. Everything he says makes sense. I understand it on a rational level, but trying to sort out my feelings about Dom and L doesn't feel rational. It feels like touching a live wire. You like that young lady you brought to dinner last night, Gramps says. I nod and take another drink. How you feel about Dominique doesn't change what you and L had, Gramps says. If I post a profile on the dating site, it doesn't take away what I shared with your grandmother. I nod again. We sit in silence, drinking wine and watching the sunset. Gramps brings out a bag of potato chips, which I decide is a better dinner than I'll get at home. I eat the whole bag. Gramps brings out a second bag. I realize I'm starving and eat that bag too. By the time I'm finished, I know it's time to go back home and text Dominique. After all she'd done for me, I was a complete shithead to her last night. I need to apologize. No I need to grovel. I made a promise to help with the bad girl list. Tomorrow is Tuesday, the night I promised to take her skinny dipping. She held up her end of things by coming to dinner last night. I can't bail on her after she helped me out. But beyond wanting to make things right between us, I still have no clue what I want from her. I only hope she'll forgive me so I have time to figure it out. Who says you need a plus one for a satisfying date night? Meet Hello Date Night, the book box that contains everything you need for a perfect night of pleasure. Each box comes with an autographed copy of The Bad Girl List, a discreet feminine pleasure toy with a matching travel bag, and a sensual rose candle. Say yes to your perfect date night and head over to mariematthew.com to purchase this limited edition book box today. Chapter 23. Tattoo. Dominique. What are you girls going to do tonight, Mom asks. She and the aunties are almost ready to leave for the casino for their rematch with the old-timers. Fast and furious movie marathon, Annika says. We've been waiting for you guys to get out of the house so we can crank up the volume and properly experience the adrenaline of Vin Diesel and fast cars. You're not going out with the Moretti boys, Mom asks. She's looking at me when she asks this question, but I pretend not to notice. I'm sprawled on the couch drawing, working on different ideas for the tattoo I'm going to get later tonight. My morning may have started out crappy, but my mood has been restored thanks to the fun day planned by the aunties. I have a deep lavender pedicure with polka dots, and we got lots of fun family pictures on our beach picnic. I still feel a twinge when I think about Trevor. It bothers me that he broke off contact before holding up his half of the bargain to help me with the bad girl list, especially when the whole thing had been his idea. He was supposed to go to the tattoo parlor with me, among other things. At least I'm not waiting around like a desperate loser. This tattoo is happening tonight, with or without Trevor Moretti. No Moretti boys tonight, Annika says, answering my mom. She opens the front door, making a grand gesture as the aunties gather their things for their trip to the casino. You guys have fun tonight, don't hurry back. Win lots of money, I add. As soon as they're out the door, I turn to Annika. Come check out my tattoo ideas. 
I did a lot of drawing today while we sat on the beach. I've narrowed it down to a few ideas, all of them things I had seen on our trip today. A few days ago, the idea of getting a tattoo had been appalling. Now, I'm actually excited. What do you think about this one? I sit next to Annika as she grabs her laptop and opens Netflix. We have almost two hours before my tattoo appointment. No dandelions, Annika says. The dandelion idea has been done to death. Okay, how about this? I flip to a picture of a yellow wildflower I'd seen on the beach. Annika frowns. No, I think yellow ink will fade too much over time. What about this? I show her a picture of a crashing wave. Not you, Annika says. Wait, what's that? She takes the book out of my hand and flips open to a page I had passed. How about this? She points to the small cluster of blue butterflies I had seen outside of Trevor's bungalow. I had sketched them after I left his bungalow. I don't know, I say. I saw those outside of Trevor's house. So what? It's not like you're putting his name on your ass cheek. I don't want to think of him every time I look at my tattoo. Annika wrinkles her nose. You won't. I won't? No. You'll think about this awesome wine country vacation you took with your family. You saw the butterflies while we were out tasting at one of the local wineries, and you fell in love with them. Annika's version of the story is technically true. I might be able to run with that, I say, warming to the idea. Besides, Annika says, butterflies are the classic symbol of transformation. You don't get to be a butterfly without being a creepy crawly caterpillar first. This vacation is all about you getting a new lease on life. It's perfect. I nod, turning the sketchbook to examine the picture from another direction. It really could make a cool tattoo. I flip to a new page and start a revised butterfly sketch. Annika starts a fast and furious movie, but I'm too busy drawing to watch it. When she brings me warmed up leftovers for dinner, I eat it without paying much attention to what it is. When I get to my fourth rendition of the butterflies, I hit pause on the movie. Vin Diesel is frozen on the screen behind the wheel of a car, flames going up in his rear window. What do you think? I hold up the most recent picture for Annika to see. I'll put it on my hip. I've adjusted the angle of the four little blue butterflies in such a way that they'll lay nicely on that particular part of my body. It's perfect, Annika says, and it will be sexy as hell on your hip. Whoever replaces Oliver in your future is going to go ape shit over it. Her phone pings. She grabs it and reads the message, her grin growing. What, I ask? Who is it? It's Minnie. She is going to help you cross off number two on the bad girl list. She just scored a bag of weed. Tomorrow night, we are going to Hotbox in a parking lot. This is going to be so fun. Now I just have to see if Thomas can go with us. Is something going on with you and Thomas? I ask, recalling my conversation about the two of them last night. He's almost as hot as Trevor. Are you kidding me? He's way hotter than Trevor. He at least shaves and gets regular haircuts and irons his clothes. Annika has always been into the clean-cut guys. So you like him, I ask. Yes but no. I'm sworn off players, remember? I want a real relationship. That guy is a horndog on steroids. Besides, I'm trying to help him hook up with Minnie. If I help him get laid, he promised to send me home with a case of their best wine. He's paying you to help him with Minnie? We've been over this, Dom. You know I never pay for my day-drinking habits. I rely on my skills of negotiation to keep my wine fridge stocked. Besides, Minnie is into him. Half her texts are questions about him. It's not like I'm trying to connect two people who hate each other. You're just taking advantage of the situation to keep your wine fridge stocked, I ask. Exactly. This is a situation you will benefit from when you move in. I should have you pick a guy for me. At least then I'll know he's semi-responsible, even if a tad on the dickwad side. Trevor isn't a dickwad, I say defensively. I wasn't talking about Trevor, dummy. I was talking about Oliver. She swings her feet to the floor. Come on, it's almost time for your tattoo. Get us an Uber in case we want to go out drinking afterward. Thirty minutes later, we are back in downtown Healdsburg. 
I'm stretched out on the tattoo table, the waistline of my pants rolled down so the tip of my lace underwear shows. My shirt is hitched up and tucked beneath my bra so it won't slide and get in the way of the artist. I grip the sides of the table, breathing hard through my nose. The buzz of the tattoo needle is loud. Chrissy, the tattoo artist, is bent over me working on my butterflies. Whoever says that tattoos don't hurt are liars, I say. Annika looks up from texting. I know, right? Don't worry, the pain will be worth it. It's already looking awesome. Chrissy pauses long enough from her work to glance up at me. You'll get used to the pain if you get more of them, she says. Both of her arms are covered in tattoos. I think I'm destined to be a one-hit wonder, I say. Just you wait, Annika says. Tats are addictive. You'll want another one sooner than later. And you're such a good artist, Chrissy says. It's a shame to keep all that gorgeous art in your sketchbooks. More of it needs to be on your body. I'm about to reply when the needle abruptly goes over my hip bone. I gasp as the pain intensifies. I close my eyes, letting myself experience this for what it is. Despite the pain, I have to admit I'm enjoying this. Not the pain, but the act of connecting with my art in a new way feels good. It feels bold to place it permanently on my body, but at the same time it makes sense for me to wear my art. I can't believe I never considered getting a tattoo before this. As the needle continues to drone on, a distant part of my brain registers a phone dinging with a text message. I assume it's Annika's cell. She's been texting non-stop with Minnie and Thomas ever since we got here. I'm surprised when Annika says, Dom, that's your phone. Want me to see who it is? Sure. My breath hitches again as the needle seems to drive right into my bone. Just breathe through it, Chrissy says without looking up. This is interesting, Annika says. I keep my eyes squeezed shut, the overhead fluorescent lighting making my eyelids glow red. Who is it? He who shall not be named, Annika replies. And we're not talking about Lord Voldemort. My eyes snap open. I hate the electrical current that zaps through me at the mere mention of Trevor Moretti. Annika scoots her chair over to sit closer and holds up the phone so I can read the message from Trevor. Hi Dom. Sorry I didn't get back to you last night. I didn't mean to be a dick. I got overwhelmed. I had played out a scene like this a dozen times in my head today. In every version, I imagined Trevor reaching out and me playing it cool. In each one, I politely turned him down when he asked me to hang out. I moved on with my vacation and finished the bad girl list without him, thank you very much. But now he's gone and apologized. This possibility hadn't entered any of my mental wanderings. Not only that, but he's admitting he blew me off, and he's sorry about it. This surprises me too. Oliver never liked to admit he was wrong, even when he did shitty things like eat my leftovers or forget to pay his half of the bills on time. Somehow, he'd always make it sound like it was my fault. I hadn't gone grocery shopping and he was hungry, so what else could he have done besides eat my food? Or I hadn't left the post-it note reminder in the right spot, so how was it his fault for forgetting to pay the bill? My mind races as I try to formulate a response. Annika's eyes narrow as she watches me. She scoots her chair back and starts typing. What are you doing, I ask. Annika, don't. I try to reach for the phone, but she leans out of reach. This is Annika, she says aloud, typing. Dom is currently half-naked and getting a tattoo. If you want to talk to her, you have to go through me. What do you want? What is he saying? I want to lean over and snatch the phone, but I can't move thanks to the buzzing tattoo needle. He says sorry for not being here with you like he'd promised. Wow. Another apology? It's impossible to resent him when he's owning his actions like this. It almost erases what happened. I wish I didn't like him so much. Annika smirks. He wants to know if Chrissy is working on you. If so, he wants me to say hi for him. Who's texting you? Chrissy asks. Trevor Moretti, Annika says. You know Trevor, Chrissy says, lifting her needle as she looks up at me. We met a few days ago, I reply. I did his tattoo, she says. He was in the same school year as my younger brother. You know he lost a fiancé a few years ago, right? Geez, Healdsburg really is a small town. Yeah, he told me about the car accident. She looks me up and down, nodding thoughtfully. 
He's a good guy. My skin twinges as she returns to her work. Fucking hot as hell too. I might have gone for him, but he's a little too nice for my taste. You seem more his type. He's the one who recommended your tattoo shop. I pause, about to say more, but I see Annika typing furiously into my phone. What are you saying to him? He wants to know if you're still free tomorrow night for a swim. The way she leans on the word tells me he's referring to number 8, skinny dipping. My body goes cold, then hot as I think about skinny dipping with Trevor. He's keeping his promise to help me with the bad girl list. Maybe he's getting past whatever tangled him up last night? I feel an idiotic smile pulling at my lips. Swimming, Chrissy says. You can't go swimming. You can't soak your tattoo in water for at least two weeks. What? I stare at her, my mind spinning. Part of me is disappointed. Another part of me says to hell with the tattoo, I'm not missing out on a chance to go skinny dipping with Trevor. She doesn't have a choice, Annika says. If she doesn't go skinny dipping sometime during our vacation, she loses her bet with me. I'm thankful she doesn't spell out the gory details of the bad girl list. Chrissy's eyebrows climb. What's the bet? She'll let me move in with her rent-free for six months, I say. And she has a crush on Trevor, Annika adds. She really can't miss this. I don't deny it. Even knowing I probably look desperate, I nod vigorously to support everything Annika has just said. Hmm. Chrissy purses her lips in thought. I don't want Thomas to accuse me of being a cockblocker the next time I run into him, so okay. But you have to wrap the tattoo with saran wrap to keep it dry. Lots and lots of saran wrap. And surgical tape. Can you do that? Yes, I say. No problem. I won't let it get wet, I promise. I turn my attention to my cousin. Annika, please give me my phone. No way, she says. I'm not going to give you a chance to wreck things by being too nice. I'm letting him know about your prior engagement to get stoned with me, Minnie and Thomas. Annika, don't get your panties in a twist, she says. I'm inviting him to go with us. He can take us swimming after that. What's he saying, Chrissy asks. She seems to be enjoying the show. He's in, Annika says. He'll grab a ride with Thomas and meet up with us after dinner. Trevor just asked me to go skinny dipping with him tomorrow. My body responds to this with a surge between my legs and a tingling in my nipples. I carefully cross my ankles, hoping Chrissy can't smell my arousal. I remind myself not to get my hopes up. I'm not sure Trevor knows what he wants. At least he's honoring his side of our deal to help me with the bad girl list. That means something. I tell myself that whatever happens or doesn't happen, that will be enough. Chapter 24 Hi. Trevor. After dinner the next day, Thomas and I jump into his car and head into town to meet Dom, Minnie and Annika. I try to act casual but I'm nervous as fuck. What do you say to someone after being a complete shithead? Is she as excited to see me as I am to see her? Annika's last text to me had been, If you can't be nice to my cousin, don't bother showing up tomorrow. And then an hour later, a text had finally come from Dom. Sorry about Annika. I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing you too, I had replied. Then I spent the next few minutes trying to find the perfect emoji to round out that sentence. In the end I picked a flower and a smiley face. She responded with her own smiley face and a thumbs up. That was the end of our conversation. I started to text her at least a dozen times after that, but ended up erasing every message. Meeting Don was changing me, but I didn't know how to tell her that without being weird, especially when I wasn't sure where things were between us. Thomas and I drive through downtown Healdsburg, which is relatively quiet since it's a weeknight. There are still tourists in town from Passport like Dom's family, but the majority have returned home. Thomas leaves the plaza and enters the patchwork of tight streets lined with turn-of-the-century bungalows. There are lots of bed-and-breakfasts and boutique hotels down here. A few minutes later, a familiar park comes into view. Georgie Park is a place my mother brought us often when we were kids. There are several plastic play structures, a sandbox, tennis courts and basketball courts. 
This is a place where local families hang out. Along the back corner of the parking lot are big eucalyptus trees. Minnie's beat-up silver Toyota Corolla is parked in the shadows, out of sight to anyone passing by on the street. When we pull up beside them, I see the windows are fogged. A hand in the driver's seat wipes away a circle. Minnie's nose ring and dark makeup fill the glass. She grins when she sees us, holding up a glowing joint. Those bitches, Thomas says. They're getting high without us. The muscles along my neck and shoulders tense. I'm reminded that I'd promised to smoke a joint with Dom. I'd also promised to take her to the tattoo shop. Two more strikes against me. Thomas hustles over to the Corolla and opens the front passenger seat. A cloud of marijuana smoke billows out. If I didn't know they were getting high inside, I would have thought the car was on fire. I haven't smoked pot since college. I always preferred alcohol to weed, but I'm up for anything if it means I get to hang out with Dom. I swallow against a suddenly dry throat, taking my time getting out of the Tesla. My mind gallops at a thousand miles an hour and I try to think of what to say to Dom. Should I just act casual? How am I supposed to do that when all I want to do is grab her and hold her against me? One of the back doors swings open. Dom leans out, her eyes glassy and her smile wide. Her buns are in disarray, half falling out. Trevor, she says. Hi. She continues to hang half in, half out of the car, still smiling at me. Everything in me eases. Hey. I smile down at her, taking in the languid muscles of her body. All day I'd been worried about what I would say when I saw Dom tonight. And here I am saved by a hotbox. She doesn't move. In fact, she seems to be settling into her hanging half out of the car pose. Her head lolls to one side as her smile stretches wider across her face. Excuse her. Annika appears next to Dom. She's never been high before. She puts her hand around Dom's waist and pulls. Out of the way cutie, she says. Your grape farmer wants inside. Your grape farmer. Annika's words, not mine. Is that a good sign or is it just the weed talking? I slide into the marijuana-infused car, feeling like I'm back in high school. The feeling is not unpleasant. It takes me back to a time when the most I had to worry about was an algebra test or whether Lindsay in fifth period English liked me. Dom's head flops onto my shoulder, her dark eyes looking up at me. She's sandwiched between me and Annika in the back seat. You wanna see my tattoo? I sure as hell want to see her tattoo after Annika's description of her laid out on Chrissy's table, but all I say is, what did you get? I drew it, she says. It was inspired by your vineyard. She fumbles with the button on her cargo pants, but Annika bats her hands away. Keep your pants on, cousin, she says. This car is too small for a strip show. You can get naked as soon as we get to the pool. No, no, Thomas says, turning around in the front seat. Keep going with the strip show. I'm all eyes. I scowl at him but he ignores me, the end of the joint in his hand glowing bright orange as he inhales. Oh yeah, Minnie says her voice a sexy purr. Let's see your tattoo doll. I'm sure I have some dollar bills around if you want to dance for us. You guys. Annika barks a laugh, then grabs Dom by the shoulders when she attempts to stand. Sit down. Don't move until I tell you to. I did not bring extra saran wrap to keep your tat covered. It's not supposed to get wet, remember? Okay. Dom returns her head to my shoulder, twisting her body so that she wedges up against me. Here. Thomas holds the joint in my direction. He's already taken several hits. Fuck it's been way too long since I got high. I take a long drag from the joint pulling the smoke into my lungs. It burns pleasantly down my esophagus. I cough, Dom said. A lot. She has gone from leaning her head on me to partially draping herself across me. One of her hands is dangerously close to my crotch. Like I coughed a ton. I've never even smoked a cigarette before. We popped her marijuana cherry tonight, Minnie says with a wicked flirtatious smile. I can't tell if she's talking to Annika, Thomas or both. I exhale and take another puff. I want to be as relaxed as everyone else in the car. Or? Dom reaches for the joint in my hand. Nope. Annika cuts her off. You've had enough. Okay. Dom's hand flops back down. This time it lands right on my dick. There's enough gravity behind it that I jump. Oh sorry. She turns wide eyes up in my direction. Up close I can see how red they are. 
How many hits did they give her? I didn't mean to damage your goods, she says in what I assume is supposed to be a whisper. It comes out much louder than that. Everyone starts laughing. Dom moves her hand to my thigh. I can feel myself relaxing by degrees, the stress oozing out of me. I lean my head back on the seat and let myself enjoy Dom's closeness. So where are we going swimming? Minnie turns on her car. Trevor, what's this great place you have lined up for us? I take one last hit before passing the joint to Annika. We're sneaking into Villa Chanticleer. Thomas says, are you fucking with us bro? Dom says, I'm hungry. Annika says, shit I should have brought some potato chips. Minnie says, oh my god this is going to be so fun. Did you guys know rooms there start at $3,000 a night? Annika says, are you shitting me? Are you sure this is a good idea? Don't they have security? I say, don't worry we won't get caught. I did this back in high school on homecoming night. Thomas says, seriously? You snuck into Villa Chanticleer and didn't tell me? I couldn't have you ratting me out to mom and dad. Minnie, head up Fitch Mountain and I'll show you where to park. Minnie pulls out of the lot, heading toward Fitch Mountain, a local town landmark. Villa Chanticleer is the most expensive place in Healdsburg and sits right on the top of the mountain. Fitch Mountain had once been a resort area due to its proximity to the Russian River. The little community once consisted of pitted one-lane roads and mismatched cabins tucked in among the trees. It still has the pitted one-lane roads, but over the years many of the cabins had been purchased and fixed up. The area is now a mix of run-down homes that looked like meth dens and mega mansions that belong on the cover of better homes and gardens. Minnie's Corolla hits the road that snakes up the mountain. Tall trees close in around us. Dom's hand rubs up and down my leg, each movement getting a little closer to my crotch. I'm already starting to get hard. I take her hand and lace her fingers with mine in an effort to keep my dick under control. It feels so good to be touching her and have her so close. I've never been so happy for pot in my life. It enabled me to skip any and all awkward conversations with Dom and go straight to this. You should have brought your truck, Dom says. I miss your truck. You can hear that truck in the next town, Thomas replies. We need stealth for tonight. What's the plan? Minnie asks as we snake farther up the mountain. Where am I parking? Take the next right and park in the pullout on the left, I say. There's a secret trail that leads to the back entrance of Villa Chanticleer. You sure about this? Thomas asks me. You graduated high school like, a long time ago. You sure the trail is still there? Before I can answer, Dom slaps her forehead in an exaggerated motion. That's right. There's a trail. You told me to wear hiking boots. Her eyes are wide when she looks up at me. I'm wearing regular sneakers. What if I slip and fall off the mountain? You'll be fine, Annika says. We're not hiking half dome. Will I be fine? Dom asks me. She's so cute I want to kiss her but I don't. Yes sneakers are fine. Thank god she says loudly. Everyone laughs. Minnie pulls over and parks on an unlit street. Luckily the nearest house is a good 50 yards away, the lights barely visible through the trees. We pile out of the car, releasing yet another cloud of marijuana into the air. So where is this place that's gonna help me cross number 8 off my list? Dom cries, flinging her arms wide and spinning in a circle against the car. Annika and Minnie hiss for her to shut up, then all three of them collapse into a giggling circle. Ladies, Thomas says. I would like you to know that if you embark on this mission in your current state, there is a very good chance you will all end up naked in the town's drunk tank. And as long as I'm naked in the drunk tank with you, I have absolutely no problem with that. We aren't drunk dummy, Annika says. We're stoned. They don't have tanks for that. Another round of giggles. I try not to notice how adorable Dom is when she's stoned. You guys, we have to be quiet, I say. Come on follow me. This is a secret entrance to the hiking trail. If anyone hears us they'll call the police so be quiet. Feeling bold, I grab Dom's hand. She gives me a glassy-eyed grin before plunging into the trees with me. The others fold in behind us. Hey guys, welcome to the Marie Matthew Show. I am the author of The Bad Girl List, Marie Matthew. Welcome, this is the author commentary portion of the show. And 
I would like to start the show off by saying cheers, salute. I hope you're drinking something yummy, whether it's alcohol or non-alcohol. I am drinking Acacia Rosé. This is a 2018 and it's California Appalachian. So that means the grapes are from California. This is from the grocery outlet, you guys. <laughs> so when I'm not being spoiled by my dad, Papa Mike, or by my husband's very generous, the very generous families at his school who give us very nice wine at the holidays, <laughs> I shop at the grocery outlet. So I'll just walk around and see what looks interesting, I'll buy it. Sometimes it goes down the drain, sometimes it's delicious. Anyway, um, today I'm trying the Acacia Rosé. It's a little old. We're in 2023, this is a 2018 Rosé. It's a little old. It's actually pretty damn good though. Nice acid, nice rose petal flavor. Not too big, lighter on the alcohol. I like it, it has quite a bit of body. I think it'd probably be a little bit better with food. Yeah, I might have it with chicken. It's pretty good. So grocery outlet for the win. <laughs> Not all good wine has to be from a very expensive wineries. You can get good wine at the grocery outlet too. So anyway, just thought I would experiment with that today. So here we are today on episode eight of the Bad Girl List. We're officially halfway through the season. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In particular, I, I really like the scene with Trevor and Gramps where Trevor goes and he gets a little bit of advice from Gramps and he and Gramps have something in common that not a lot of other people understand, which is they both have lost people that they dearly loved, right? Gramps lost his wife, Trevor lost his former fiance. So I love the little heart to heart that the guys have. And I have to tell you that I actually have like a whole Gramps love story that came in. <laughs> I tell you that stories are alive. They find me. So like, Gramps has this love story and I don't know if I'm gonna write it or not. So I would love for you guys to weigh in on this because obviously he's old and I, I'm not knocking over the hill. I'm 45, I'm technically like over the hill. <laughs> Much older than the characters in my book, Having Hot Sex. But do people wanna read silver haired romances? I don't know. I have no idea if people wanna read these or not. So. It's like a super cute story, but I don't know if people want to read it. So I would love to know what you think. Are you interested in a silver haired romance? Would you want it written the same way? Like, do you want them to crack out the blue pill and have, you want to see them having hot sex? <laughs> or, or is that like, do we want it behind closed doors because we don't want to see silver haired people having great sex? I don't know. I have gray hair. You can't really see it in the video, but I have it at my temples. So I'm certainly not, knocking gray hair. When my hair does go all gray, I'm probably just gonna leave it that way. I'm kind of a no fuss kind of girl. I probably won't dye it. So I'm certainly not knocking gray hair. I just, in the romance genre, there's just not a lot of it. So I have no idea if people are interested in that. So anyway, I'd love your feedback because I do have a really cute story. I haven't totally said yes to it yet. It's floating around like, I don't know guys. So. <laughs> I'm just checking with you. You can leave a comment on YouTube, or of course you can always email me at romancingmarie at gmail.com. Speaking of silver-haired romances, I thought it would be really cool to share a real-world silver-haired romance with you guys. This story took place, let's see, it was before my daughter was born. So I wanna say maybe 16, 17 years ago. It was shortly after my husband and I got married and we took my mom and we went on a trip 
to Austria. The reason we did this was because her eldest brother had moved to Austria and she had never visited him there and she wouldn't have gone if we didn't like make all the plans and take her to the airport and all that good stuff. So anyway, we took her to Austria to see her brother. So my uncle's a Chinese American, my aunt is Austrian and they met uh, during the time of the Vietnam War, my uncle was drafted and instead of going to Vietnam, he opted for a longer tour of service and he went to Europe. And while he was stationed over there, he met my aunt in Austria and fell in love and he never came home. <laughs> he never came home. And he lived as uh, an English teacher in this beautiful little hamlet in Austria. Definitely looked like uh, Sound of Music, like Hills Are Alive, right? It was just, it's beautiful. I was lucky enough to see him there a couple of times before he passed away. So when we went there, there was this, this church that uh, they wanted us to have a look at. So we got in the car with them. And so really interesting. Um, they had two children, two sons, and their eldest son, my cousin, he had a brain tumor. And my aunt, devout Catholic, Austrian, they're, they're a Catholic country, she went to church and made a deal with God and said, if you save my son, I will commit to doing, I think it was like a Wednesday service, like forever. I will do this, this service for the church. And my cousin, he lived, he made it through his brain surgery, survived, still alive, happy. So she held up her end of the bargain. She went to church to do her service once a week. And on the other hand, we had my uncle, who was an atheist. <laughs> the love story of the atheist and the devout Catholic, like it's kind of beautiful. So we got in the car to go see this church. I didn't quite know what to expect. So my uncle, he pulls into church, puts his chair back in the driver's seat, pulls out his book. He's gonna read his book. And then my aunt takes us into the church and that was their arrangement. She didn't drive. So he took her to church multiple times a week. And when it was church time, he'd always bring a book. He'd sit in the parking lot, he'd read his book and she would go in and she would practice her spirituality. I love that story, you guys. I love that. Like it was kind of earth shattering for me at that time. I just, I had certain hangups because of the way I was raised with religion and stuff. And I had this, this notion that your partner in life had to be on the same faith path as you were and watching them like it was totally not true. I mean, the atheists and the devout Catholic, they loved each other passionately to the end. I mean, they just, they had a beautiful love story. In terms of like expressing love, how beautiful is it? Like if you can't drive, your husband's not in the church yet every multiple times a week, he gets in the car and he takes you to church because it's important to you. Like what a beautiful act of love, right? And acknowledging that it's important to you and making sure that you make it there. And then at the same time, like how beautiful of my aunt to just love her husband on his journey and his faith. And huh, so what if it's different? Like, so what if it's different? We're all on our own paths. We don't have to have the same journey. So yeah, I love that story. I'm not sure how long they were married before they passed away. They died within several weeks of each other. When my uncle passed away, my aunt was ready to go with him. And so she went with him. And yeah, it was really sad. It was really hard to lose them. They were the, the you know, like the, the matriarch and the patriarch of the family. But yet at the same time, it's like, wow, it was so beautiful. Like they loved each other. They had a beautiful life together. And then when it was time to go, they exited together. I, don't, I just thought it'd be fun to share a real world silver haired <laughs> love story, uh, one that I that I witnessed. Uh, and it's one that I gained a lot of wisdom from. I've always like carried that lesson. Thank you for showing me that 
you can love and support your partner in whatever faith they have. Uh, my husband and I have different faiths and it's interesting, we talk all the time and it's amazing, even though we have different practices and different faiths, it's amazing how similar the work is that we do and the messages that we receive, the wisdoms that we're processing, the things we're trying to integrate in our lives. There's so many intersections, like there's so many crossovers and it's like, wow, you got that in your program and wow, I got this in mine, but like, we're not so different. <laughs> there's different titles, there's different names, but yet, right, the work to become a more whole human being, to grow your heart and soul, like the journey's not that different. So yeah, I, I really hope you enjoyed hearing this love story. As always, feel free to leave comments on in the YouTube comments section. You can always email me at romancingmarie at gmail.com. If you do have any questions that you'd like answered, feel free to email those to me. I'm hoping to put together an episode where I answer everybody's questions. I am hoping to have an AMA episode, Ask Me Anything. Someone much younger than me told me what AMA stood for because I had no idea <laughs> what that was. She's like, you should do an AMA. I'm like, what's an AMA? I don't know what that is. They didn't ask me anything. Yeah, feel free to send me an email. I'm planning to collect all those and, and do an Ask Me Anything episode. As always, you can visit me at mariematthew.com. You can get the bad girl list there as autographed hardback, paperback, and of course we have our Hello Date Night boxes with our discreet feminine pleasure toy. Own your orgasms, ladies. <laughs> Life is short. Yeah, so anyway, visit me over there and I will be back here next week for episode nine. And until then, cheers.